is Lisa Pierce, Executive Editor of Packaging Digest, with another episode of Packaging Possibilities, a podcast that reveals what's new and what's next for packaging executives and engineers, designers, and developers. Who better to know what's new or next than the leaders taking us there? So throughout 2023, Packaging Digest will be reaching out to the executives to find out what they're working on these days. We're happy to welcome our first leader of the year, Michael Akoriapur, Chief Sustainability Officer for McCormick & Company, the Spice Titan. Mike is a leading sustainability and packaging expert and a research and development executive with more than 20 years of success leading strategic product innovation and sustainability practices for some of the world's most successful global consumer packaged goods companies. He has more than 40 patents to his name and was inducted into the Packaging and Processing Hall of Fame in 2018. Mike, welcome. So glad you could join us today. Thanks a lot, Lisa. It's always a pleasure to connect with you. And really, I want to commend you for what you're doing. You're educating all of us. And I'm really delighted to be part of it. Thank you for that. That's wonderful. Um, before we get into the questions that we have, um, Mike, as briefly as possible, give us kind of like a high run, a high level rundown of your career so far, the companies you've worked for and some of the positions. Absolutely. So, um, as you know, I'm a polymer chemist by profession, you know, basically a material scientist. And I started my industrial career with Bausch & Lomb, uh, the eyewear division, if you recall the Ray-Ban. So yes. I was their, their first manager for their plastics uh, R&D for, for Ray-Ban. And from there, I went on to work for PPG, and uh, at PPG, I spent several years uh, uh, w working through the uh, central group, central R&D group as R&D manager and eventually become, became the head of uh, PPG optical materials uh, group. Most people don't realize that what they wear uh, is, uh, if it's plastic, there is a, a good chance it was a PPG invention. And of course, I'm wearing one that I helped invent 24 years ago at PPG is called Trivex Lens. How wonderful. Yes. And then I went on from there um, to a business school, uh, uh, to Kellogg, the executive program that PPG sent me. And six months later, Coca-Cola hired me. So that's how I made my transition from a purely chemical company to a beverage company. And okay. at Coke, obviously, some of the notable things is, of course, this plant bottle was started under my uh, uh, leadership uh, at Coke and uh, worked with several talented scientists. Like uh, one of them that I, I have to tell you is uh, somebody is also an icon in the industry. And we went on to uh, introduce that not just at Coke, but at Heinz when I moved to Heinz. And I'll come to that. Also, I was responsible for the freestyle at Coke, that beverage machine that they yes. over 125 different packaging, uh, different, uh, different flavors of drinks. Uh, I was responsible for the packaging and that wasn't uh, an easy thing to do. The packaging was the Achilles heel and we mm. pulled that one off. 
And uh, finally, moving on to Heinz from Cook as the uh, Vice President for Global Packaging and Breakthrough Innovation uh, at, at Heinz. Obviously, the biggest thing everybody remembers with me at Heinz is the dip and squeeze. Dip and squeeze. And yes. uh, so that was one of the major things that we introduced here. But there's another thing we did that changed the industry. And I want to highlight that because that emphasizes my uh, career that's been driving sustainability. And that is the mineral field uh, tray. If you recall, most of the uh, trays for frozen meal was CPET. Yes, we eliminated uh, crystal, that. Uh, crystallized uh, polyethylene terephthalate. Exactly, crystallized yes. polyethylene terephthalate. That's what it is. And then we eliminated that at uh, Heinz by introducing mineral fuel polypropylene that led to a reduction in 45% of the carbon footprint. And of course, it doesn't break because, as you know, in frozen trays, CPET cracks. This one doesn't crack. Crystallized. Today, I mean, exactly. it's right there in the name. <laughs> exactly. Today, the industry has adopted, adopted that technology we introduced at Heinz, which is mineral field polypropylene that you see for frozen mills around the globe. So that, that's it. And now and coming the, the, to... Um, Mike, I'm sorry. The mineral, mineralized, um, is that for uh, shelf stable or uh, shelf life to Perfect. improve the shelf? It, it's actually for ovenable so that you can put ah, it in the oven. If okay. you look at polypropylene, if, if you put it in the oven, it, it's flexible, it works. But right. if you strengthen it by incorporating some minerals, when I'm talking about minerals, I'm talking about calcium carbonate or silica, the kind of things you use to brush your teeth every morning. The abrasive in your toothpaste is one of those. And okay. uh, so that's why I incorporated and that gave it the strength so that it is ovenable because everybody was going to ovenable you know, uh, microwaveable things, you know. So yes. nobody was doing traditional oven, but it was microwave. And that's what we designed it for, for microwave, not for regular ovens. And today, that's what everybody's doing. Everybody does things in the microwave. We were a little bit ahead of our time. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to um, McCormick. I joined and McCormick. How long you, yeah, how long you been there? I've been here eight years. Okay. And I, I started as uh, the VP for Global Packaging Innovation for McCormick. And then, uh, of course, we started uh, some new projects, but I'll come to that. And then moved on to become the VP for Global, Packa uh, Global Sustainability and Packaging Innovation. That was 15 months into my tenure when I was promoted to that role. And eventually now became the Chief Sustainability Officer, which, is, which was two years ago. And I'm proud to say I'm the first Chief Sustainability Officer for McCormick. And that was a new role created two years ago, and I was the person to, to, to lead that. Now, at McCormick, so many great things have been happening. So one was the introduction of first choice in Europe. This is a redesign of our red cap, if you would, that would allow you, one, to get a good sensorial feel. One of them is this idea of having a click, you know, something that clicks when you open it, telling you it's fresh. And when okay. you close it, it clicks again, telling you it is you are sealing in freshness. That was a big aha for us. And then we color coded it so that, you know, for instance, green will be for herbs, black for black pepper. You have seasonings will be uh, orange or something. So mm -hmm. this allows for easy navigation in the store. And shopping, that is some of yes. the things we are doing. We introduced it in Europe today. We, are in the, we have introduced it in North America. Uh, and that I, is some of the things we are doing. 
Yeah, I think um, there's three areas in the grocery store that as a consumer, um, I really appreciate when they do the color coding and or the organization from a shopability point of view. Um, the soup aisle, the canned soup aisle, obviously, and they they did that um, organization many, many years ago. Uh, but uh, nutritional supplements and then spices. <laughs> Sometimes it's pretty hard to find what you're looking for in spices. So um, thank you for that that help, that color coding help. Thank you. Absolutely. And it's even gotten more important when you are shopping digitally, when you go to the, you know, the digital platform. We want to make sure it ah. will be easy for you to navigate it in the digital world because things have changed. Yes. And one of the things we made popular was this design for zero moment of truth. Remember PNG made popular design for first moment of first truth. First moment of truth, right. That's in the physical world. But before that, Think about it. People go to the internet, pull up their iPhone. What do they do? They want to look at those things. And if it makes sense, they go to the store. And so yep. we call it zero moment of truth. That's one of the things we made popular at McCormick. And today, I think everybody is running into that. Okay. And, and, and you know what? The, the so, uh, COVID pandemic also, a lot of people are still shopping online from the grocery stores, not just like e-commerce, but actually still shopping online from the grocery stores too. Nice. Absolutely. And we are a leader in that uh, digital shopping moment because of some of the things we've done with both packaging and product. Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you've gone over some of your uh, accomplishments. Thank you so much for that. Could you tell us a little bit more about the the role that you have now at McCormick for Chief, uh, Chief Sustainability Officer? Is that like how much of that is still involved with packaging? Okay, very good question. The chief sustainability officer role at McCormick is all-encompassing. It's product, packaging, process, but more, most importantly, our sourcing. Okay. Okay. So yes. in my role, in my role here at McCormick, I'm responsible for the development and execution of an enhanced sustainability strategy, working with our commercial communications teams and building on our foundation to ensure that our success in this area continue to be recognized globally. This means our focus, not just working through our organization, but through our purpose-led performance, we've been able to do transformational things. And when I talk about purpose-led performance, that's our sustainability strategy, because we believe that's where the future is. And what it means is that strategy is simply defined as delivering top-tier financial performance while doing the right thing for our people, our communities, and the planet we share. And we introduced this strategy uh, almost uh, seven years ago. We developed it seven years ago. The first one was issued in 2017. And today it's called ESG. That people, communities, and planet pillar that we introduced is really the ESG. But I want to focus something because we source from over 80 different countries around the globe. And as you know, Herbs and spices grow in tropical regions. And so one of the things that we did is we said, we're going to impact communities where we live, communities where we work, but most importantly, communities where we source. Why is that important? Because McCormick has been in business for 134 years. And the only way to continue for another 134 years is to create an enduring supply chain. And by taking care of those farmers, mom and pop operations, individual smallholder farmers, by taking care of them and helping them live a healthy life, we're ensuring that our business will go into continuity uh, indefinitely. 
So that's some of the things we're doing. So my role is to oversee all of that. And packaging also is important in this journey. The way we view packaging, to put it simply, uh, Lisa, it's a delivery vehicle. Okay, it's your UPS. Yes. Mm-hmm. And making sure that that packaging is sustainable is critical to the journey we're on. And that's some of the things we're doing at McCormick. Thank you for explaining that. And one of the things that I, I like about that is all those areas do connect and interact. So being able, you know, having somebody oversee all of that, you're able to really um, take a, a higher level look at the big picture and how each one of those areas can contribute and should contribute. Um, So thank you for that. Sure. Mike, just a a little bit, if you wouldn't mind. Um, As you know, February is Black History Month. And um, because this is a podcast and the the people listening might not know, um, you are a Black man. Do you mind telling us a little bit of how this has impacted your packaging career and maybe even your life? Absolutely. Uh, And uh, I will add to that with what you're saying, that I'm a proud Black man. That's definitely true. I mean, so let's make sure people know that. My background is really fundamental in how I see life. It is also fundamental in how I pursue things. I grew up in a community in the eastern part of Nigeria, a farming community where it takes a village to raise a child. I am one of those product of it takes a village. Okay. Okay. Yes. And so that means taking people along on the journey is critical. In fact, I want to remind you of the very popular African proverb that everybody knows. And that is, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. So that mindset was inculcated in me by my own mother of make sure as you go that you are going with other people. You don't go alone. You know, sometimes we want to be a cowboy or something like that. That's not what uh, my community I grew up in. Nothing wrong with that. But the community I grew up in is one where everybody has to work together. That is one of the things I bring to my job. This idea of being a coalescing influence okay. in the corporate world. I would imagine that uh, same philosophy um, kind of directs your leadership strategy as well. Absolutely. And here's one thing I'll tell you. Coming to McCormick is like I'm home because there is something McCormick prides itself in. It's, uh, it's called the power of people. And when I say power of people, it was enshrined by our, our long-serving CEO, Uh, C.P. McCormick. This power of people, I'm telling you, is really what uh, I grew up in. And it means it's power of all people. So I want people to understand that's what we're practicing here at McCormick. And basically, it's like I'm home in my village, in the eastern part of Nigeria. Yeah. Now, does that extend to your um, people outside your company as well with the partnerships that you have maybe with uh, packaging suppliers and other uh, other people up and down the supply chain? Absolutely. Let me start from the ingredient because I know you love our spices. I do. Um, We source from, as I said, over 80 different countries. And those suppliers are not big corporations like we have in the U.S. These Mm -hmm. are individual mom and pop. They are part of our community. They are part of what we're trying to do. And as I said, if you look at our purpose-led performance, which simply means doing well by doing good, we are supporting those communities like creating opportunities for women empowerment, okay? 
Yes. For instance, to meet the McCormick sustainability framework, you as a supplier have to consider two things. Community resilience, meaning building real resilience in the communities. Two, women empowerment, gender equality. And three, ethical supply chain. That is some of the things we are doing in those communities. And today, those communities are thriving. I'll give you one example, because when I say all these things, it looks like it's esoteric. No, let me distill it to you. When we okay, started please. this journey in Madagascar, we had, by the way, I grew up on a farm. So men owned, men owned all the farms. And most of the workers on the farms are women. Okay. So for <laughs> me, if you think about it, we're losing 50% of the global population, which is women, in contributing meaningfully to the society. So what we set out at McCormick is we're going to have women own their own farms. When we started it, the biggest challenge was there was no education, there was no money to do that. So you know what we did? We worked with IFC, created a village savings and loan, VSLA. And McCormick, the first one in Madagascar, paid the interest on the loan so that those women and men, by the way, Mm -hmm. took the loan, started their uh, farming, and when they sold their crop to us at a premium, we committed to take it at a premium, they paid back the, that, those, the loan without the interest. Today, that community is, is thriving. If you look at the message that um, Samantha Power, the USAID administrator, gave at COP26 in Glasgow in 2021, she highlighted one of the examples of one of those farmers in Madagascar. And I tell you, it has become a good thing. USAID noticed, and they are co-funding some of the things we are doing in those communities. That's just one piece. And with our packaging suppliers, we like to collaborate. We just introduced 100% recycled PET packaging for our, our uh, colorant. We partnered with Berry, I'm glad to say, to, yes. to do that. So this idea of going together has become a mindset. We are working on several things. The one, the, the Berry one, we've already filed a patent and they are part of it. I just want to highlight those. That's how we do things at, at McCormick. We've also introduced a new grinder that is, in my opinion, is sustainable because you can separate the grinder head from the bottle and recycle it. That's part of our first yes. choice. And that's and part that's... of the one we introduced in North America. And that is in partnership with both APTA yes. and uh, Herber in France. That's okay. the type of thing we're doing. And that's the grinder for the pepper, correct? That's that's the grinder for the pepper or for the salt, the new one that you're going to see in North America. We've, we're launching it, but we've launched it in Europe for the last two years. That's the first place we introduced it. And it's called First Church there. Uh, and that's uh, exactly for me, very exciting. It's changing the market. In fact, I'll do you a favor here. I'll show you what it looks like. This grinder yes. is, is here. This head is removable. So okay. you can recycle whether plastic or glass. You can recycle it right here. And this is an example of the food color that we introduced. Yep. Very visible now, but 100% recycled PET. So that tells you our emphasis on packaging and recyclable packaging, or in my opinion, true circular packaging. Yes. Thank you for showing those examples. I'll make sure to include images of that in the, we do a transcript of the podcasts on the um, article page, and uh, we'll include those photos so people could scroll down and see those. Uh, we did, Packaging Digest did cover the colorant, 100% um, uh, recycled content. Uh, excellent on that, especially I since- I saw that. 
that is um, so necessary to continue to boost the infrastructure for yep. recycling um, that pull through from the brand owners on using the recycled content material. Mike, so many excellent examples of innovations that you've been able to already accomplish in your career. Take a moment here and just tell tell us what you would still like to accomplish and why. Sure. As in, uh, the industry continues, you know, the the when I talk about the industry, I'm talking about the CPG industry. Yes. As we continue to push, one of the things that we see us really do is this emphasis of uh, what I call uh, sustainable living. So we have to really define a path forward that gets to true secularity for packaging. Okay? Yes. Why is that important? Packaging is a significant component of our net zero journey, of okay. our climate journey. Most people ignore that. But to me, if you don't solve the packaging, you're not going to solve uh, the climate thing, whether it is, as you know, we have an SBTI validated uh, uh, plan or strategy for our uh, near term climate what, target, which is, is 1.5. It, it is called the, um, remember the climate journey, the Paris Agreement yes. Yes. is called the, um, uh, it's called the near term, which is aligning to 1.5 degrees C by uh, of of greenhouse gas you know uh, by okay. 2030 we're gonna align with that the sbti is part of what the un global compact created to drive the sdg sustainable development goals okay. sbti sbti stands for uh, uh you know science based target initiative basically okay. what am i saying as a scientist i believe in data yes and I believe in science. And we know that this climate, if you look at what's happening in California, even in, in Dallas, where I was last this past week, is ice everywhere, things you haven't seen before. Look at what happened in, uh, uh, in Pakistan. You look at what is happening in some of our farming communities. The climate change is real. So the climate crisis. So every company owes it to our global community to align what they are doing on science-based targets. And that's what we've done with our near term validated by SBTI uh, of aligning with 1.5 degree by 2030 in alignment with the Paris Agreement. And now we're in the process of finalizing our net zero by 2050 because okay. we also want to get that validated. And that's where we're heading. And I think for the industry, we need to make sure that we're driving towards that. And for packaging specifically to do that, there has to be a true circularity. Okay? Yes. You know, so for us, Having a broader consensus on how to drive that faster as part of the sustainable development goal and adopting things faster will be very important. I know that when we talk about that, people want to focus on the esoteric piece. I don't. This idea of having a recycling infrastructure in every country is going to be important, starting with us mm -hmm. in the United States. I, I would and, go one further and say mm -hmm. in every community, Absolutely. Yes. I agree with you in yes. every country and in every community and in every household. Mm -hmm. I will say that this yep. mindset of uh, so. So you and I talked a few years ago and I, I said, I don't know if you remember, I said, Lisa, the era of make use dispose is over. Yes, it is I now remember. make use, make use, re reuse. I said mm -hmm. that to you about 10 years ago. I'm saying it today. 
that okay. we got to think about through secularity. For example, uh, states have different programs. We need to agree one thing I believe in, something like EPR, this extended producer responsibility. Okay. When when you say it, people say, you're saying you want the producers to pay so that we can recycle things. Yes. So that we can create a recycling infrastructure. So we can have legislation that is common sense that will encourage us to do it. So we can have an education program. There is a consumer education to recycling rather than the confusion we see. To me, that is very that is very much desired. I, I am like to so see- glad you bring that up because it's such a crucial point in the whole circle of things. Yes. Um, Mike, does McCormick have the how to recycle label on its packages? On, on some of them, not on okay. all of them, but you you have seen what we're doing, you know, mm-hmm. and we're yep. working with How to Recycle right now, as I speak, we're working with them, okay. and uh, we have a collaboration to make sure we, we get there. As I speak, though, when it comes to our plastics, 84% are recyclable, 84% of the plastic we use at McCormick globally are recyclable. Okay. The area where we need to do more is the area of flexible materials, and we're mm-hmm. working on that right now. And okay. how to collect them, how to make sure uh, that we recycle them. We're working with suppliers. You talk about collaboration. We're in the middle of that collaborating. For that 16%, I want to make sure that we get it done before uh, 2030. Okay. When you talk about recycling for flexible packaging, are you exploring chemical recycling as well as mechanical recycling? Are you, are you looking at both streams for that, both technologies? Multiple technologies? Okay. We're looking at multiple technology, but let me simplify it. You know, there is Mm -hmm. primary uh, 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 recycling, secondary recycling, and tertiary recycling. The newest thing is tertiary recycling, which is chemical recycling that you alluded to. We have been exploring it with some partners. As you know, we're part of a group in Australia. We're a global company. So Mm -hmm. we can start anywhere and take it to other places. We're part of a group of uh, APCO, Australia Packaging uh, Consortium Organization. And uh, we're exploring that, a chemical recycling. The reason is, it's expensive right now. But for me, it is a holy grail. Being a polymer scientist, as you know, is the holy grail of breaking it down, the difficult to recycle plastics, breaking those down, recombining them into useful uh, plastics. To me, that's a true circularity. But in the meantime, there is a transition phase. That transition phase is mechanical recycling. Yes. The thing you source, 100% recycled content, is food-grade mechanical recycled uh, PET, to be yes. specific. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're driving now. And okay. on the way, I think chemical recycling will play a role. That's why we need common sense legislation. That's why we need collaboration amongst companies so that even the chemical companies, when they do this, we can actually validate it for food application. Well, uh, food products do have that extra needed oomph from packaging for shelf life. And that, you know, connects very closely with sustainability by minimizing food waste, which is a much bigger problem than the packaging waste that's generated. So um, interesting on all those uh, all those angles that you're you're trying to uh, solve. Um, yep. Okay. Okay. I did want to go back uh, just a moment and ask about the goal for net zero and just the drive for um, not just the packaging industry, but the world in general to get to circularity when it comes to sustainability to address the climate 
issues. And so the question that I have for you is, what is the common measurement there? Is it going to be carbon? And how is that all going to connect with packaging? Absolutely. It's going to be carbon footprint. It's going to be carbon. uh, Basically, because that's something you can quantify. And if you want to reduce the amount of CO2 emissions put out there, it's it's good to use that as a, what I call rudimentary calculation. So as you look at uh, life cycle assessments, end of life, you want to make sure that you are doing that so that you can compare apples to apple and link it to CO2 uh, or carbon. That's when we talk about uh, carbon, we're talking about CO2. So you got to make sure we link that. Otherwise, you'll be comparing apples and oranges. And it doesn't matter what sector you are in, agricultural sector, packaging sector, energy sector. You have to make sure that you do that uh, consistently. That's why I think it's going to be carbon. I also want to point out something to you. The building where I am here, the corporate headquarters, yes. is on not just that, on 100% renewable electricity. And all our factories and facilities in Maryland, New Jersey, and the one in Dallas are all on renewable electricity because of the partnership. We partner with our local uh, utilities company to really build a solar farm, not okay. carbon credits, build an off-site solar farm to, that is powering some of these facilities. We do have on-site solar. And I'd like to share that uh, for, our, for your readers. McCormick just opened its first net zero plant in construction in Peterborough, UK. Okay. Congratulations. That, it's thank not you very an much. easy thing very, to do. So Very proud of that. And I say that because that meant the cement that we use was made on site in a sustainable way. And we're proud of that. And that plant was, will, soon, will soon be a net zero in operation. Was we that opened a green, it last year. Was that a greenfield um, operation or did Absolutely. you re... Okay. No. Greenfield Excellent. operation. Excellent. Yes. So, Mike, we've talked a lot of uh, about a lot of different things here. Um, let me go back to the earlier question, though, about what you still want to accomplish in your career. If there's anything that really give me great peace when I'm when I say I am done with my career, is that we have a truly sustainable world. Okay, uh, and that goes with our our strategy of doing the right thing for our people, communities, and the planet we share. Mm -hmm. This aspect of the planet we share, taking people along, going back to my fundamentals, whether I be in our packaging industry or in the farming communities, making sure we enable people to live sustainably because we have one planet, regardless of where they are located, regardless of your uh, uh, status on the planet that we're doing that. That, to me, will be, wow, if I can contribute to that, with what McCormick is doing, that would be tremendous satisfaction to me as a professional, but more importantly, as a human being. Okay, thank you for sharing that, Mike. And just knowing you as I do, um, if anyone could achieve this, it will be you. Um, So thank you for that. Before we end, is there anything else that you wanted to share with us today that I haven't thought to ask? I think you asked it at the beginning. This is Black History Month. Yes. I do want to make sure that the younger generation out there understand the importance of really having one, a goal of really making an impact. So the way I say it is the the younger generation, millennials and Gen Z, give me hope 
because they understand that we're in this together. But really making an impact and committing to it, regardless of what happens, is one message I want to leave. And as a black person and a proud black person, it is important that we understand that the ecosystem will be incomplete without people like us, uh, black folks, without women and other people. So I say that sincerely because sometimes when you see things happen and when you see people get discouraged, I tell them, don't give up because this is a journey. If it was something we can accomplish overnight, it would be done. But in a journey, you're bound to bump into things. So as you think about your career, pick where you think you can make impact. It doesn't matter what you do, but making an impact that will leave this society or this world a better place is my message to people out there as we celebrate Black History Month. And it is a message to all people. And that's where I want to end today. Thank you very much, Mike. That's a wonderful place to end. It's a wonderful place to head and it's a wonderful place to end. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Lisa. It's always a pleasure. All the best. Cheers.